Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time or just relax to a good book, Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So I I went through the living room. I flipped on the light to the outside deck, and all of a sudden I'm face-to-face through the glass with a, a stranger. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. What would you do if you were asleep with your spouse and it was the middle of the night and suddenly you heard loud noises like someone banging on your door? What about when you got up and before turning on any lights, you could see the figure of a man standing there on the other side of your sliding glass doors? And when you turn on the lights and you see him and he sees you? and he explodes with anger and starts trying to break through the door. What would you do? None of us wants to be put in a situation like that, but that's what happened to Eric one night. He was trying to figure out what to do. His wife, Jennifer, was on the phone trying to get the police there as quickly as possible, and this enraged man was using all his strength 
to get into their home. And then things took a big turn for the worse. Did you know that you can support this show for just a dollar or two per month? You can do that at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. And now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Eric. Who was home the night this happened? Uh, my wife and I were home. Um, my son was out. He had left for college about a month before, so it was just the two of us. Can you describe the layout of your house so we kind of know how everything is arranged as this happened? Our bedroom, our, our bedroom is on the, it's a one-story house. So we're kind of on the side off from the kitchen. And then in front of the kitchen, we have a main living room area. And then towards the street between the living room on the street side is a large uh, screened in deck. So it's like a raised deck and has sliding glass doors to it. And so we were sleeping on the side in the uh, master bedroom. How would you describe the neighborhood? Uh, it's a middle-class neighborhood. Nothing too fancy, nothing too rundown. Just a uh, middle-of-the-road neighborhood. Pretty Fairly quiet. We're on a cul-de-sac. Would you say it's a, it's a safe neighborhood, usually? Yeah, generally. I mean, there's been a few bike thefts, but nothing... Nothing big, nothing too worrisome. Yeah, I, I would always consider it safe. Well, let's talk about what happened that night. I know it was really the middle of the night. What time were you awakened? Well, it, it was an odd night even before all that started because our, our, do our dog had a problem with his leg, so he wasn't able to walk the night before. So ironically, my wife woke up at maybe 3.30 or 4 to take him outside to carry him outside, basically, to go to the bathroom and bring him back inside. She locked the door, and I heard that happen. Then I heard the cat barf, so all the animals were up. And then I guess about 4.30, about that time, is when I started hearing a strange sound. I had just fallen back asleep. And I say strange sound, I, I don't even know if I'm going to try to reproduce it, but it didn't even sound human. I don't know if it was yelling or moaning or a coyote in the background. I, I, I wasn't sure what it was, but... So it was about 4.30 that I woke up. Was it one of those things where you're not sure if you're really hearing it or if you might have had it, you put it in a dream? Yeah, it was definitely, you hit it on the head there. I wasn't sure if I'd heard something. I thought I heard something. Let me just go do the quick check. And then I heard it some more after I got up. I'm like, okay, it definitely is something. So something's going on. Can you just take us through exactly what happened? Yeah, I... I got up from bed, put on my glasses, walked through the kitchen, uh, and I could see out from the kitchen, you know, all the lights were off inside. From the kitchen, I could see outside on the deck through the living room, I could see a shape, and it looked like somebody was standing out there in the dark on the deck. And I immediately thought, oh, it's my brother-in-law. He lives two doors down. He probably came to get the dog. He walks our dog with his dog and then leaves him over here so they can play all day. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. It's like 4.30 in the morning. He wouldn't be over here. But then he's, I see the person walking, pacing back and forth very quickly. Like they were scared or agitated. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. And at that point, I'm like, there's no way it's him. And I flipped on the light. So I, I went through the living room. I flipped on the light to the outside deck. And all of a sudden, I'm face to face through the glass with a, a stranger a man in his early 20s. He had no shirt on, 
and he had a black eye. He looked like he'd maybe been fighting. And he immediately, as soon as he saw me, he started getting super agitated and making strange sounds. I, I, I didn't hear any, any words. It was just moaning and screaming. And then he started just banging on the glass, looking at my eyes. where We're six inches apart through the glass, staring in my eyes, banging on the glass with his palms. And at that point, I, I had thought back at maybe the videos you'd seen on the internet of police trying to subdue a, someone on PCP or some, some crazy you know, drug that was making them freak out. And that's, a, that's immediately what I thought was going on. He came on my porch. He didn't know where he was. And for some reason, now he's trying to get in here. And he actually, strangely enough, he had what looked like a pillow taped to his arm his forearm or his hand was through the pillow cover for some reason his hands were still exposed so it was almost like he was wearing it like a little shield or something it was it was pretty odd i say that because that, that comes into the story later but was it a, an actual pillow or just a pillow case it looked like a small pillow like a throw pillow but that, that's all i could see at that moment it was just in his eyes and I started getting very nervous, but trying to calm him down. I'm talking to him through the glass. Hey, hey, relax, relax. It's okay. Whatever you're on or whatever happened, let's let's relax. Meantime, I'm talking to my wife. I think she had woken up at that point. I'm kind of yelling through the house. Hey, call the cops. We got an we got an issue here. So she she took the dog who was in our room and went into the back room, the back bedroom on the other side of the house, and she got on the phone with nine one one. And the whole time, he's getting more and more agitated, going back and forth, back and forth, looking up at, you know, we have some things over the sliding glass door, some decorations. He's like looking at them frantically, trying to understand what's going on, it looks like. And and I think, uh, I think I read somewhere where he, your house was not the first one that he came in contact with and that other, some of your neighbors had also been, had already called 911 about it. Is that right? That's right. There, there was two other houses. He, uh, our two side neighbors. So the first house he went to, it was my brother-in-law's house. He basically said the same thing happened. He came to the door, started banging, banging, slamming against the door to the point he thought the door was going to break. And that's a big, heavy wooden door, not a sliding glass door. And he had a baseball bat ready inside in case he broke through. And I, he didn't, he didn't make it through. And I, I guess he stayed there for maybe a minute or so and gave up. 911, what is the address of the emergency? And the phone number you're calling from? Uh, I guess it's a house or an apartment. House. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Uh, someone was just like banging on my front door. Crazy. Yelling. I didn't I could hear tell what he was yelling. And you didn't, do you know this person? I don't. I, I, I didn't even, I just. You see any weapons? I the door. What's that? You, did you see any weapons? No. Okay. Anybody appear to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs? They were yelling crazy, crazily. I hear him banging on somebody else's door now. Okay, you see him banging on somebody else's uh, door? I hear, I hear him banging somewhere else. Yeah. He must be going door to door. 
you see a clothing description? I did not see him. Okay. He's yelling crazy. What is he saying? He's just like yelling, like yelling and screaming. Okay. Figure out what that guy's up to. Okay. Well, I do have uh, I do have the call in. We've got uh, deputies on the way, sir. Okay. If anything, say just call okay. us back. Sorry. Came to the next neighbor's house, banging and slamming on the door, trying to smash the door down. And he described the same way his door was rocking on the hinges like he thought it was going to break in. And he had a pistol that he was ready to shoot the guy, telling him, please go away. I've, I've got a gun. Just go away. Stop. And he did. 911, what is the address of the emergency? Okay, and tell me exactly what happened. Literally, somebody's banging on our door nonstop, yelling outside and won't stop. He's on drugs? I don't have no idea what he's on, but he's banging nonstop on drugs. You have no idea who he is? No. no okay. Sure. Okay, what is your first and last name? ASAP. I need somebody here ASAP. He's on drugs. Uh, please put her back on the line. There's somebody's already coming. Okay. And we do have somebody already in the area. I think he's just kind of walking down the way. Keep your doors locked. Do not unlock your door, okay? Were you able to see who the person was? No, my boyfriend's there right now. He's trying to just make sure. Okay. Not it is a man, though? Yeah, it's a man. Okay, don't open the door. Keep the door locked. Don't open the door, please. Do you know if he has any weapons? Do you have weapons? I can't tell. It's hard to tell. You can't see. Does he see any strange vehicles or any strange other people outside? Do you see anything else? I can't see shit. You can't see anything. Okay. Our neighbor is really, really dark. Okay. Is he still knocking? He just stopped, but he can't be fine. Okay, no, because we do, I do, like I said, we do have another call on the same street, so I think he's going down the row and just oh. knocking on people's doors. So he may have seen the deputy, but let me just go ahead and make sure. Okay. Um, yeah, because you guys are at, so we have deputies oh. in route. Just stay where you are, though, because I'm not okay. sure if they're outside or not, Okay. Okay. What was he saying? Did you tell what he was saying, or what was he doing? Shouting out his social security number. Oh, he was yelling a social security he, number? Yeah, he, he's, on, he's on heavy drugs. Okay. He's running down the street. He's running down the street. He is running. What direction of travel is he going in? He's running towards, back towards the street. He's running towards back. Okay, there Okay, let me go ahead and just let them know that. He ran across, so he probably, he probably knocked on a neighbor's damn. So he's running south. There's a whole lady at the end of the street. Oh, damn. Could you tell what, what his race was or any clothing description, or you could just see the shadow moving? I think he's got, I think he had a shirt over his, over his glass. Okay. Like a cape, kinda like tied around your neck kind of thing, or just yeah, over his shoulder. Kind of, 
on your street, okay? Um, I put I put your address in. If you hear a knock on the door, a loud knock on the door, I want you to go ahead and look and make sure that it is law enforcement before you open the door because they may come to your location as well, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. And then he came to our house third. And so now your wife, Jennifer, is on the phone with 911 as well. Yeah, she's describing it, and I'm trying to calm the guy down try and keep my voice low, try and look at his eyes, give him the, yeah, we're on, we're on audio here, but I'm not, the take it easy, you know, with your hands kind of motion, yeah, calm down, calm down. And that just seemed to make it, making it worse. So I guess that, that never works for anyone. And uh, he started smacking at the glass and I, I went to check that there, we've got one of those, I think it's called a burglar bar. It's a little plastic flap that keeps, uh, it's like a, a lock that flips down for sliding glass doors. So you flip it up, you flip it up, and then it's blocking the door from sliding, flip it down, and it can slide. Well, we had that and the regular latch, and I, I was checking that to make sure that that was not, that it was that it was set. And he saw me do that, and he starts pawing through the glass like he's able to flip it down through the glass, and he was just not thinking straight. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni, She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida. So I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, 
you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. And at that point, he, he grabbed the handle of the door and starts trying to pull it open. And I'm trying to hold it the other direction, pull it shut. And the door is just, you know, we're, we're struggling back and forth. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't come off the, the tracks and rip it off. He was extremely strong from what it seemed. So I'm like, oh, he's, he's got to be on something that's given us all this superhuman energy. He wasn't making any human sounds. He just seemed almost like an animal that was just trying to get in for some reason. I hate, I hate to say it that way, you know, that he was an animal, but that's just how, kind of how he was behaving. Right. And that's what drugs will do to people. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. And uh, he gave up on that and then just starts backing up and slamming himself against the glass. I'm like, okay, this is going to break any second now. Jennifer, just get ready. Just get ready to close the door because he's going to be in in a matter of seconds. I know it's going to happen. And that glass, damn it, that glass is strong. <laughs> it's an old door, but I have no concern about that stuff breaking because the way I saw him throwing himself at this and it did not break, it was a miracle. Yeah, and sometimes it, when, when someone's like that, that really on mind-altering drugs like that, they can seem to have like superhuman strengths. Yeah. So I was really getting worried that I backed up toward the kitchen. So I'm like one room away. Granted, he can just, once that door goes, he's just going to be 15 feet and right on top of me. But then luckily he just gave up on the door. I guess he figured he's not going to get in this way. I'm like, okay, that's, that's relieving. So he backed up and he He's trying to go out the the screen door. And there's two doors to the screen door uh, to the to the deck, and that other door had been latched with a, one of those flip latches, and he couldn't figure it out. So he just kind of pushed through the screen and just ripped out the screen and ran off. I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, that was quite a story. I'm glad that's over." <laughs> and then it was not over. Uh, my wife had come forward a little bit towards the kitchen. She's like, "I I hear him on the side." So he had left the screen de deck and then just run around the side up a little path. And then he starts banging on the glass window of our bedroom or of our master bedroom. And then she went back. I'm like, get back, get back. He starts smacking on that. And then I hear a crash. And the, the glass broke. That was just a thinner glass, not like the, the thick stuff you find in a sliding door, I guess. And again, he just using his bare hands, just smashing through. And at that point, I, the fear was getting replaced with anger. I'm like, I, I don't believe this guy is just crashing in here. Make this stop. This has got to be a dream. There's no way this is real. <laughs> Shaking your head, trying to wake yourself up. I'm like, no, this is real. So that's when it started to dawn on me. You need a weapon because he's going to be in here in a second. And I'm in the kitchen then and I looked around and the first thing I saw was you know, the knife, the butcher block. So I just grabbed the first one off the top, you know, which happened to be the biggest, you know, the butcher knife. 
like a 10 inch butcher knife. And even though I'm getting more and more amped up with adrenaline and angry, I'm looking at this thing and thinking, what am I going to do with this thing? I, I have no, <laughs> no ability to stab anybody. I can't even finish off a, a mouse in a, that's caught in a mouse trap. You know, I just don't have the, that killer instinct. You know, I'm like, I'm kidding myself even holding this thing. But maybe if he sees it or I take a swipe at him or a little jab, he'll get the message that back off. So at that point, I heard another crash because there's a couple panes to the window. And actually, the way the window set up worked out because he was, as he was trying to get through, and at this point, I had ran into the bedroom yelling, get out of here, get the fuck out of here, or I will kill you, get out of here. And he just starts coming through, but the pain between the two glass panes, there's like a little bar that he had to crawl over. So he was trying to crawl over that. In the meantime, he had knocked the blinds down and the screen. We have like a, a metal screen over there. He had knocked all that away. I couldn't see anything other than the shape. And I, I said, now, now's the time. You got to give him a little jab because he's coming in. He's halfway in the window. So I just kind of gave a lighthearted, weak jab. And it hits that pillow <laughs> that, that he had on his, on his arm strapped on. I don't know if he had entered intentionally thought, let me use this as a shield, but that's how it acted. Like, uh, what dumb luck that I hit that thing. So I could kind of see where he was and I went around beside it to give him a little jab. And then I just, I went, that anger just turned to pure fury. And I just felt myself lose any inhibitions to, to kill or do whatever I needed to do to stop him. And I just, as hard as I could, just stab, boom, boom. A couple times, I guess, one, two, three times. I couldn't say like time was, time was, it was hard to recall how long all this took. Maybe a few seconds, maybe 30 seconds. I don't know. I will say that I'm, I'm glad I didn't see it. And I'm glad that it was dark, that I didn't have to see the knife going, but I felt it. And it was kind of a disgusting feeling when you, you feel a knife just get buried to the hilt in a man's chest. It, it's a feeling that it stays with you. And right when that happened, it was like something snapped in him. And he said, oh, my chest. The first and only words I ever heard from him. Like that snapped him out of whatever state he was in. That he went into like a protective mode or whatever spell he was under, you know, was kind of broken at that point. And he backed off and screamed and ran away. 911, what is the address of the emergency? Tell me exactly what happened. Some dude's on our porch yelling. He's freaking out. He's outside yelling. He's busting shit up. Banging on our window. Do you know if he has any weapons? He just fucking broke the window. Wait! Ah! Okay. All right. Does it look like we have had multiple calls from your neighbors about this, but you said that he just broke the window? Yeah. <laughs> 
What happened? Besides that? I just think outside. I don't know. He's breaking the windows. Okay. Take a deep breath for me, okay? He already had deputies in the way. They've been on the way for a little while. So just stay on the line. I'm on the phone. Oh my god. And what's going on? My husband. He's just washing his hands. Okay, this person, could you tell what race they were? He was a white kid. When you say kid? hair shorts off. Approximately how old? Early 20s. Early 20s. Okay. Thin, medium, or heavy build? Short hair. Thin build. Were you wearing a shirt or no shirt? No shirt. And you said jean shorts? Or just shorts? No, they just look like shorts. Dark color, light color? Yeah. A dark color. Okay. I said that he was yelling. Could you understand anything that he was saying? No. Okay. Hey, I have three deputies on the way out there, okay? So just stay on the line with me until they get out there. Did he run? Uh, towards her house or towards... Uh, we don't see him. He says he doesn't know. Okay. Looks like they may be pulling into your neighborhood now, so just let me know when you have eyes okay. on them, okay? Okay, because my, my mom lives down the street, and she's, like, really terrified of things like this. Okay. It looks like they they made contact with him, so they're. Oh, they found him. They I do believe that they found him. Um, so I can, Where is he? It looks like he's at the end of the street. They were able to catch him at the end of the street. Okay. He said the cops got him. It looks it's just a couple houses down from you. But I wonder if that was my brother. There's only four houses on the block, five houses on our street. Mm-hmm. But I do know that they will come speak to you, okay? Okay. And I went into the kitchen, and like a fool, <laughs> I washed the knife off. <laughs> Not washed off, just rinsed it off in the, in the kitchen sink, just out of habit, first because I didn't want the wife to see it. It was it was covered in blood all the way up to the hilt. You know, it was just it was a mess. And it's right as I turned the water, I'm like, you dummy, you shouldn't have done that. And it's evidence, you know. But so I just set it down by the sink. Jennifer's crying on the phone with 911 still. So the, so they hadn't shown up yet. No, 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 no. Uh, this whole thing is had maybe two or three minutes, five minutes maybe have passed. She didn't know I stabbed him, and I said, "Well, tell nine, tell the cops that I, I stabbed the guy, so he's he's been injured." And she started to cry and relay that to him. She was fairly composed, as far as I can tell, but I didn't want her to see the bloody knife, so that's why I rinsed it off and then immediately regretted it. But then I set it down, went out toward the screen door. 
I didn't see any sign of him, so I turned all the outside li outdoor lights on. I just wanted to see if he was still there, but there was no sign of him. And I could see there, we have like a little, a little fence around the yard, a little uh, wire fence, like a three-foot dog fence, basically. You could see where he had just run right through it and knocked the thing down, trying to get away. So at that point, I went outside, drowned, there was no sign of him. And I guess a couple minutes later, we saw a cop car up, up the street. I, I didn't. I went back inside, locked the door again, just in case. And we saw the cop lights. And at that point, yeah, Jennifer came back in, gave her hug, and I think she was off the phone uh, by the cops by that point. They they had hung up. They said, "Yeah, somebody's on the way." I, I don't remember if she was still on the phone or not. But you know, just pure adrenaline still. And then uh, a few minutes later, yeah. We saw the flashlight of a deputy coming up to the house. And I, at that point, I saw it was him. So I unlocked the door and came outside. And we started looking around. And on the side of the house from the bedroom window, I could see the blood trail. And he, just, he had left a trail down the sidewalk. We have a little path down the driveway, out in the street. You can just see the drops. And in some places, it was pretty thick, I guess, because we had a little fence gate that he had gone through and, and that was all covered in blood. And of course it's still, it's still dark too. Yeah. At that point it's maybe five in the morning, I guess, but the sun was starting to creep, creep up and, and we have a lot of the lights on outside the outdoor lights. But, uh, yeah, at that point, uh, the detective basically said, Hey, just come out here and, and wait. You guys are okay. Yeah. We caught the guy up the street maybe, Two houses, two or three houses away at the top of, of the at the end of the street, they had they had caught him, found him. Um, just wait here, don't don't touch anything, because it's a crime scene now. So I, I got a glass of water and just waited for the the actual uh, the the detect, detective inspectors to to come down. So that you know the cop just waited for us, waited with us until they arrived. Did you wait outside with them? Yeah, I went in. I just went inside to get dressed because the whole time I was in a pair of underwear. That was that was all I wear the whole whole time was a pair of underwear. I'm like, I'm I'm a little chilly. Let me throw on you know, some shorts and a shirt. And I know this this happened in Florida, but even in Florida at night it can get a little bit cool. Yeah, if you, especially if you're if you don't have many clothes on outside. Well, the adrenaline still was keeping me pretty warm too. Yeah, I, I got cold. I got cold later as things calmed down. I got really cold. I didn't want to greet the inspector in my underwear. So that was the only reason I went back inside. I was just get dressed. News reports after this identified the man as Chase Richardson. And he's he was 23 years old. And he had just escaped earlier that night from a group home uh, called the Savannah Group Home. Do you know anything about that place? Yeah, it's, it's actually uh, behind our house. There, the three houses on our block here on the other side there's a, a chain link fence on the other side of the chain link fence is that home and there's a you know folks with metal disabilities stay there and i'm not sure the number but there's there's several people that stay there and their caregivers stay there 24 7 and live with live there with them and i understand that he had a history of mental disabilities as well as a criminal record of uh, burglary and prowling had you ever had any experience or interaction with anyone from that home prior to this? Well, 
Well, I just learned something about the criminal record. I didn't know that. So I guess you did better research than I did on him. I, I, I knew that he had the mental illness, but you know, it turned out at the time I thought he had been on some kind of drugs. And when I when I learned that he was basically mentally ill, I felt I felt a lot worse. Like, oh man, I could I have done something different? But yeah, to go back to your question, I, we had never really had a problem with the place before. There, sometimes you hear screaming or swearing from over there, or somebody's having a bad day, or their meds aren't right, and then they would bring the person inside because they you know, try to let them people be outside. But quite often, you would hear a lot of screaming and yelling. Sometimes you hear that just from neighbors without even having a group home nearby. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but not like an argument. Mm -hmm. More like just somebody just freaking out, kind of screaming. But that was, that was about it. But yeah, I did not know that he had a record. At that point, how or did you talk to the police there about the legal consequences for you, or how? What was your concern? Well, still, still at that point, we were waiting for, for the inspector to come, and then the deputy who was waiting with us heard on his walkie a uh, report. And he's relayed to us, yeah, he's dead. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I just sunk and basically dry heaved into the bushes. You know, you just joined a club you never wanted to join, you know, and you're killing someone. And so then the inspector arrived, came down and just asked me to basically go through everything I told you. And we're waiting out there on the on the porch and has me sign some paperwork just agreeing to a search of the area, like essentially just a, a warrant to, to photograph the premises because it was a crime scene. They want to see if I had, you know, weapons or, or whatever the deal was, take all the pictures that they needed and dust for fingerprints. I'm like, fine, that's fine. Um, and at that point, yeah, I started really getting cold because the adrenaline had worn off. So I threw on a little jacket. And at that point, it was becoming a circus of, of police activity up the street. There must have been 20 or 25 cars just all over. Everything was taped off where, where he had been found. You know, the, the little evidence markers were out where the blood was. And he asked my wife and I and the neighbors to come in for questioning. So I'm like, sure, okay. We went out there. I guess they didn't have any other vehicles, so we got to ride in the back of the squad car, which was surreal. Watching the sunrise with your wife in the back of a squad car. Very cramped back there, but we got in there and uh, basically everybody had to go to a separate room, I guess, just to keep everyone's stories straight. They don't want, just like on TV, they don't want you to be conversing with each other, just keep you separated, I guess. So I sat down and I just started feeling just dread you know, it just all of, on top of everything that had already happened, I just kept seeing it happen over and over and over and over again. And then I'm like, well, what if, what if because he didn't have his feet inside the house, is it not legal to fight someone off? You know, he wasn't armed or these kinds of things go through your head. I'm like, what if there's a really zealous prosecutor that just is out for blood for some reason? He wasn't on drugs. He was just a poor mentally handicapped man, you know, I don't know if any of those are even rational thoughts, but that's what was just going through my mind. And then I felt so bad for the guy. 
even though I was so mad and scared at the time, as soon as he was gone, I just started feeling terrible for him. I think they're all rational thoughts, especially for, I mean, you'd never been put in a situation like this before and you don't have any idea what's going to happen. Did you consider having an attorney present during that questioning? I, I had thought about it, but then I'm like, you know what? I, I feel in, in my heart, I didn't do anything wrong. And the detective on the scene and the neighbors and my wife and everybody that morning had said, you did what you had to do. You did what you had to do. So I just, you know, maybe from a legal standpoint, someone would say, no, you should always have a lawyer. But I didn't feel I had anything to hide. It was self-defense. But no, I didn't, I didn't get a lawyer. And they came in with the recorder, read me my rights, you know, I guess, which I don't know if they have to do that, but they did. And so they just went through and just I relayed the whole thing to them. At that point, they asked you know, for DNA. They're taking the fingerprints, and they need a piece of each one of your fingernails, <laughs> uh, which I didn't know they did. And then took all my clothes. So, you know, they had asked someone to come pick me up later to bring me a set of clothes because I guess in a homicide investigation, they take all of your clothing, I guess, to check for DNA or blood or whatever, I, which I kind of objected to since I was in my underwear the entire time. But I guess procedure is procedure. And the, the inspector was, he was kind throughout. You know, he's, he said, this is very procedural. Might seem strange that we're having to do all these things and just kind of lay it out for you. You know, it's a standard practice. We want to make sure we do everything by the book. But I'll tell you, they didn't even come to speak to me the first time for at least three and a half hours, maybe four hours. I was sitting there by myself in that room. And that's when the st thoughts just start rattling through your brain and just start reliving that over and over again. Um, I guess they came to me last because there are so many other witnesses to talk to. And it was just the two detectives. So they, you know, they interviewed both the neighbors. Um, they interviewed my wife. They interviewed the caretaker from the group home. Um, so I guess what had happened, I learned later that the man had chased, had been in a fight at the home. He locked himself in his room. When they came in to check on him, he had snuck out the window. He's basically broken out of the group home through the window. And so that at that point, I think the caretaker was already looking for him. And that's where they found him. The, care, the caretaker found him st staggering up the street. And I kind of felt, you know, how, how bad that caretaker must have felt to, to see one of his charges covered in blood collapse at his car. So yeah, I felt bad for that guy too. But yeah, basically sitting in that police station for hours and hours by yourself, I just started having a panic attack. I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's when you're just shaking your head over and over trying to wake yourself up and it's not working. It's pretty amazing that, you know, the night before you went to bed, everything was normal and routine. And yet now here you were at the police station, it's isn't it amazing how quickly life can change. Yeah, you're in a different world all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, so we yeah we finished we finished with him, signed all the uh, paperwork that was needed. I went downstairs, and saw my wife, gave her a hug. Went downstairs, my folks were there. They they took us home, gave us a ride, 
uh, offered me something to eat, and I just had no appetite. At that point, it was it was afternoon. We had been there. It was, it was probably two or three in the afternoon. I, I'm not sure what time it was. So it was almost 12 hours nearly since it had happened. And it was just a media circus outside. You know, just a lot of the cops' cars had, had left, but they had been me replaced with news vans and all that. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, I don't want my whole name to be in the paper. No comment. And you know, my family was great. They really helped out so much. I went inside and just had a cup of tea, took a Xanax, and just sat in a recliner and just re relaxed. And they helped clean everything up, clean up the broken glass, all the blood. They got all the blood out. I guess hydrogen peroxide does does a good job, and it all came out. I was I was glad because I didn't want to have you know that reminder everywhere. And I got the window fixed that day, and it almost looked like nothing had happened, with the exception that the the, the blinds were broken down, so we needed to get new blinds. So, but if you looked at it, you wouldn't know that anything had happened that day. Did this happen on a weekday or a weekend? I think it was on Monday morning. So I assume you probably took some time off work. Yeah, when I was waiting uh, for the inspector to come down, I just texted my manager, hey, the very basics, we had a break in, I can't make it in today. She, you know, she was great. She was like, fine. And then when she heard the, the, the fuller story, she's, you know, she and the management there were supportive. Anytime you need, whatever you need, take some days off, whatever. It's it's no problem. And it was it was a few days before I went back to work, but no more than two days off. I guess I just tried to clear my head. But even on that first day back, I I don't, I don't think I stayed past lunch. It just heart just wasn't in it, and I couldn't concentrate. You know, were, did your coworkers all know what had happened? No, I think only a couple people. I, I wasn't like telling everybody this, just because yeah, it's yeah. And even if they saw it in the news, they wouldn't know necessarily that it was you, right? It's not like a story that I just want to tell over and over again to a lot of people. You know. Do you still live in the same house? Yeah, yeah, we're we're still here. We like here a lot. It's a it's a nice house. We've I've spent many years fixing it up, so. <laughs> I'm too stubborn to, to leave at this point. Too much work's been put into it. Not only that, but statistically, what's the chances of something like that happening twice at the same house, right? That's true. I, I kind of felt like I had won a bad lottery, but now I was kind of spared from anything like that ever happening again because, you know, it'd be pretty crazy. But each day, you know, the first day, obviously, I was just stunned. I was just in shock. And the next day, I would... Went and saw my therapist, spoke with him for a while. That was helpful, but you know, I was still in physical shock. And I, and I talked to a counselor from the sheriff's department that contacted me. I guess she was the victim's advocate. And she had kind of described a lot of the symptoms that I told her I was having. She's like, this is perfectly normal. You know, you're basically going through shock. And you know, I don't know if you want to call it PTSD because it had just happened, but... You know, I was getting like flu-like symptoms and couldn't sleep and didn't want to eat and the racing thoughts and keeps picturing it happen over and over again. It's, she's like, no, that's normal. And sure enough, 
that started to ebb away. But what's funny is every time I kept picturing it happening in my mind over and over again, I'd get queasy, but I would see the knife coming out at me instead. And I was always picturing it from his perspective for some reason, seeing me stab out. And strangely enough, and I don't know if people would believe it, I literally felt an actual ache in my chest where he got hit. I could feel a physical pain. Not like I had been stabbed, but it was aching, which I thought was very strange. I didn't know if there was some kind of you know, weird psychic connection or something. I'm not really into that kind of thing, but I tell you, I, I really felt that. It sounds like it's, you have, um, maybe in your personality, you have a natural or an extraordinary sense of empathy. Would you say that's true? I, I think so. I think that's true. And my wife and I, she, she, she prays a lot. I, I really don't, but she, thinks of, of, of Chase off and we would talk about him and try to imagine what his life was like and try to not make his, you know, his death meaningless in some way and kind of keep him, him remembered, you know. I know there's a lot of emotional, um, a variety of emotions that go with this, but do you feel or have you ever felt guilt for what happened? On and off. And, and and I know I do the same thing a second time, and I'd tell anybody else probably do the same thing. But that's it's kind of hard to talk yourself out of that 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 guilt is just it's just going to happen. I don't I don't I don't think I did the wrong thing. Um, I think I think I did the right thing, but that's something you have to live with, you know. Yeah. Strangely, I, like a few days after that, and I had seen my counselor again, I started to go into almost like a a happy manic state where I felt, oh, this is a new lease on life. You've been given another chance. You could have died. Now do something good somehow. And I had that, that manic energy, which unfortunately kind of wore off. You know, you, you feel like, you're, oh, you're going to become this wonderful person and I'm going to volunteer and, and do all these things. Or then you just kind of become yourself again. But I, I am at least glad that it didn't make me a worse person. I, I was worried that, oh, I'm going to become very paranoid and fill the house with guns and cameras and just be the person staring out from behind you know, the shades and suspicious of all his neighbors. I, that didn't change in me at all. I'm not, not fearful to walk around at night with taking the dog for a walk. I I don't feel any extra fear in any situations like that. So at least, at least things didn't get worse for me. What What is your opinion about having a gun for self-defense? Well, I mean, in that case, it, for it have, to even made any difference, I, I probably would have had to have it sitting out loaded and ready right there. Things happen so fast. I, and I, I didn't need it. And I guess statistically, you're more likely to kill yourself or a loved one or someone by mistake. But I don't, I don't think anybody shouldn't be able to defend themselves. I'm not going to come out as an anti-gun in the house stance. But I, I still haven't gotten one, so I don't know if I will or not. Well, if you haven't gotten one now, it, it's I probably probably <laughs> not going to happen after this. That's right? the yeah. That's that's the test, I guess. <laughs> 
You, they did take all. They did take all my knives, though. So he had to get new knives. Mm, okay. Obviously, he wasn't very communicative. But do you have any idea what his intentions were if he actually got in the house? I have no idea what he was after. But at the time, I, all I could see was he wanted in badly, and he was very violent. And I thought he was going to kill us. So why he did that, I wish I knew. But you know, you can't you can't know what's going on in someone's in someone's mind. He'd already been denied entry in two other houses, so maybe that's what kind of got him amped up even a little more and more determined to to get into yours. Maybe, maybe. I've kind of developed a, a trick whenever I like a mental trick that whenever I start reliving it, because I get kind of queasy at some horror movies. You know, I don't like the side side of a knife too much. I mean, I. I like scary movies well enough, but sometimes I get a little queasy and then I picture myself with a knife and that happening. When it starts to replay through my mind, I just picture it off to the side in my peripheral vision. And I just say, oh, just let it play out here in what I call theater two. So it's just like I've turned it into a movie. So I can just pretend that oh, it didn't really happen. It's just over here playing as a, as a movie. So don't suppress it, but just kind of remember it as a movie that you saw. That's interesting. Is that a, a technique that you came up with or did your therapist give you that? I I came up with it just after a few days and I told him about that and he's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's a unknown technique, I guess. I'm like, well, okay, I, I guess it works because even when I, I saw the, you know, the movie uh, Parasite, I don't know if I won't give out spoilers, but there's a scene where there's a stabbing and the knife and the butcher block look exactly like mine. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, I started to get that feeling. And I just said to myself, theater two. And I, I can just kind of dismiss the, the fear of that happening again. But you just have to be on top of it so it doesn't start rolling around in your head over and over and over again. So it's it's helped me. you got to be aware. Yeah. Is there any part of the story that we haven't covered or anything that I haven't asked you? I, I would just say I, do, I hope I don't want to cast any bad light on people with mental illness. I, th I think he had schizophrenia, and I know it's a it's a serious subject, and I I don't want to make people fearful of people with those conditions. And I guess in that case, I don't know what else could have been done. I just I hope I yeah. You know, my wife had said he he was in a bad place. And now he's he's not. Maybe you've you've in a in a, in a strange way helped him because he seemed like he did not want to be in the world, or he was having a very hard time in it. So that's one kind of cold solace I can give myself that maybe in some way that was meant to be. It was, it was meant to be that he would be put out of his out of his pain. Thanks for sharing the story. Okay, Scott. Thank you very much. Hey, is that a bizarre story or what? I hope that's what you've come to expect here on this podcast. It's what I do. It's what I enjoy doing. I get a lot of people pitching me their stories, and unfortunately, I have to reject most of them, and I do that for you. You are my listener. I don't ever want you to see a new episode show up on your phone and have you say, eh, that one sounds kind of boring. What I do want you to say when you see a new episode is, Oh, wow, I 
definitely have to hear that story. That means I've done my job. And speaking of interesting interviews, my friend Eric Hunley is the host of a podcast called Unstructured. He interviews all kinds of interesting people from all walks of life. I'll let him tell you about that, and I'll see you in two weeks. My name is Eric Hunley, and I host Unstructured. On Unstructured, I have intimate conversation with a diverse range of people. I've interviewed a presidential candidate and a felon. Not the same person. I've even chatted with a musher. Yep, a sledder behind a pack of dogs. And in these conversations, we learn what drives these folks. Please, come check out Unstructured. You can find Unstructured wherever you listen to podcasts.